This is episode 164 of the Empowered Team Podcast. Psst. The zenith is coming. The most incredible, life-changing retreat in Sayulita, Mexico. That's right. The zenith is coming. To learn more, head to www.theempowered.ca slash zenith dash learn dash more. It is life changing. Welcome to the Empowered Team Podcast, where we explore how to optimize your performance in career, sport, and life. And now, your host, executive coach and life strategist, Kari Schneider. Okay, so here we go. Today's topic for performance power is the beautiful, wonderful, incredible outdoors, nature. We love it. So we're going to do some five-minute facts on it. And to lead in, I love looking up the research on this type of stuff. So to lead in, I want to tell you about a study with 20,000 people. It's great to have a large group of people to study. 20,000 people. The people who spend two hours a week in green spaces all at once or separated, so two hours a week, have substantially, significantly, that's what we would say in research, significantly more likely to report good health and psychological well-being than those who didn't. So those of us who get in the outdoors were more likely to be psychologically uh, have that well-being, but also that physical sides too. So we're going to go into the top five of our five-minute facts. Number one, nature, outdoors, increases memory and concentration. Now, if we don't all need a little more memory and concentration, I don't know who does, but I think it's fantastic. Memory and concentration with only a 20-minute walk in nature Those who did the 20 minute walk in nature had a 20% increase in memory on their test that they did following the 20 minute walk. Those who didn't do the 20 minute walk were that much less, their scores were that much less on their memory and concentration. So that's number one, memory and concentration. Number two, who does not want to feel happier? Number two is that those who have nature walks have increased mental health and A Finnish study showed that those who uh, did 15 minutes of outdoor time or walking were more psychologically restored than those who didn't. And we also know that time in nature decreases your resting heart rate, just decreases your heart rate overall and decreases stress. Thereby, increased heart rate is one sign of increased stress. So the number two is feeling happier. We all want to feel a little happier. Number three, this one's kind of awesome, especially for those of us who have injuries or those of us who even have um, emotional or psychological things to heal from because nature heals. And if we even just want to go into the injury side of things, patients who are exposed to more natural light healed faster from spinal surgery than and reported less pain than those who were not. So just gonna say that one again. Patients who are exposed to more natural light report healed from their spinal surgery faster 
and had less pain than those who were not exposed to natural outdoor light. The other study on this topic on the nature of healing is there is less pain for those who are a group who is 70 years old. They have less pain than their counterparts who don't go outside daily. So the 70 year olds who went outside daily had less overall pain than the 70 year olds who did not go outside daily. So that's number three. Number four coming at you fast is promoting weight loss or weight maintenance, especially altitude. Altitude especially speeds metabolism and lowers appetite, but the outdoors overall promotes overall healthy weight and weight loss. And number five, strengthens the immune system. If that's not a hot topic right now, I don't know what is, but strengthening the immune system being outdoors increases your white blood cell count. So even a Japan study, the Japanese have done a lot of studies and they have what's called forest bathing, going out into nature, just being within nature. And they look at the, the, uh, the results of that, blood work, all sorts of things, stress measures. And one of the studies from Japan, from J Japanese women found that the uh, being for just six hours in the woods, that was the stimulus, six hours in the woods, the increase in white blood cells, which fight virus, that extended even over into a two-day period. And they've done more studies with that on business people who are very stressed out and seeing that some of those markers are increased even longer than that, weeks and into months. So that boost can happen at up to two days to two weeks after the exposure. So that is number five, but we're gonna give one more as a bonus. And this one's the bonus because we've done this as a topic already and it's vitamin D. Vitamin D is so critical to us and being outdoors improves and increases our vitamin D stores. This fat soluble vitamin, you can get exposure and then it will stay in your body. So this time in the sun and is good for increasing that vitamin D and vitamin D may prevent cancer, osteoporosis and heart attacks. There's lots and lots of evidence for vitamin D being an amazing, amazing thing for our body. So those are your five minute facts on outdoors and nature, the research, pulling it all together on the top five things that I think are most important to you. And now I wanna open it up to questions, questions on the outdoors, on nature and anything else, training, nutrition, performance, sleep, recovery, whatever is there for you. So bring it. And I also have some questions that people have brought in to me as well. So go for it. What questions do you have? Pop it in the chat or unmute. I'm not sure it's a question as much as it's funny with all those, um, you know, things that we get from being outdoors. We didn't talk about sleep and that really, as we all know, especially exercising outdoors or just being outdoors for a, a, an extended leg for time, whether it's summer or the middle of winter, when you come in, you have this uh, resurge of energy that lasts about an hour and then you're just ready for a good sleep. Yeah. I love yes. late night walks like eight o'clock with my girlfriend. It's, it's good for the soul. Those walks, I think those, I, I call them a talk and walk and then you get home and you throw a load of laundry in and then you get your nighty on and it's lights out and it's such a good feeling. It is amazing. And I love to now know your nighttime routine. 
<laughs> so I, because I'm a science, science geek, I have to throw in some of the things that happens with that. If we go outside, especially first thing in the morning, and we get those low level rays of light into our eyes, our brain's only way to know what time it is, is via our eyes. Now, time is just a construct, but it's actually daylight hours that our body wants to align with. So if we get outside time, it can't be done with blue light. It can't be done with artificial light. It has to be sometime in the morning, getting those specific rays of light with our eyes could be anywhere from five to 15 minutes. That outdoor time will help our circadian rhythm. And same thing in the evening, that evening walk you're talking about, those low level lights in the evening also cues our brain to know our circadian rhythm. And it tells our brain when it's time to really shut down. And when, it, and that light exposure, there's these things called, um, uh, I think it's adenosine receptors. And what they do is they eventually show us, show our body when to feel fatigued. So there's so much involved with our eyes to know when we feel fatigued and when to sleep and when to be on our circadian rhythm. So absolutely huge point. This would be number, you know, six, seven with big stars around it is sleep. And the only reason I didn't put it in this one is because we've done so much on sleep lately and it's so true. And actually there's a, I, I'm going to open this up, but there's another question regarding sleep before we go forward. And that is someone brought in a question. It was, it was Paul who was on crazy weird hours for the Olympics and questions around him were all about melatonin. So the people who were pulling crazy hours for the other time zone in Japan, some of them were asking about taking melatonin. I looked into melatonin several years back and I have melatonin and I've tried it for jet lags jet lag trips. And, um, I now don't recommend melatonin. And the reason I don't recommend melatonin is because there's only one place in the body that we produce melatonin. And if, if we ingest melatonin, it can be a little off putting for our production of melatonin. The other part of melatonin is that it only helps you fall asleep. It doesn't help you stay asleep. It doesn't help you get a quality sleep. It only helps you fall asleep and more does not do better. And most humans think that if their half of a dose didn't work, then they might try a full dose. And if it didn't work, it just didn't work. And, and so it's hard for people to um, use it appropriately. And then it may disrupt their own production of melatonin. So that is why for my clients who are experiencing jet lag, I don't recommend melatonin anymore. Um, I used to because it, it was shown in research to be effective, but not everything that is effective is necessarily the best choice or good for us. So um, right now, based on some of the neurology scientists that I follow, I don't, I would, I would steer clear of melatonin because I like to default to what our body can do and support that instead of trying to skip that step. So that's the melatonin thing. Um, what else do you have? Any other questions for 
the physicality, the nutrition, what else do we have? Um, so is it better to sleep with the blinds open so the daylight morning sun, the AM, the morning daylight tells you the time to wake up or keep them closed? Fantastic question, because this comes into the logistics of most of us not having auto-timed blinds. So here's the thing. You want, you want the, the room at night to be as dark as it possibly can. So if your blinds being open means that street lights come in or means that a bright moon comes in, then that can disrupt your nighttime sleep. However, if the blinds closed are really, really dark blinds and you don't see any daylight coming in, then that can also um, cause you not to wake up the way you would. However, most times, even with darker blinds, most times the light will still come in. So what I would say is if you've got any sort of nighttime light, especially city light, then keep those blinds closed at night because there's still gonna be some daylight that comes in on the outside of the blinds in the morning and you will still get that effect of your body starting to become sensitive to that in the morning. Now I'm gonna to point to some other research and this is pretty powerful for children right now. Children who have night lights on at night have an increased likelihood for myopia, which is nearsightedness. And what happens in children is that their eyes and not only the, um, everything that happens with children's eyes affect the development of their brain. And with night lights, which you don't wanna traumatize a child, they may still need to get to the bathroom. There's all sorts of other issues or logistics to, to work through perhaps until a night light can be taken away. But night lights have been shown to um, it's because if, if the child has thin eyelids, that light still is coming through the eye. It's the eye exposure and that to the brain. And there's another, there's another component to that. And that is that the exposure children have now to screens and not as much horizon work, then that means that children are far more likely to be nearsighted. Now there's a massive increase in nearsighted children now because they're not outdoors as much, looking at horizons as much. And that points to, I know I can go on and on about this clearly, that points to, for those of us who are in front of screens a lot of the day, what happens is that our eye muscles, our retinas have to constrict, and then, and then they, that's how it's focused on something close to us. In order for our eyes to relax and also to relax our brain, we want to focus on something as far away as possible, something that is on the horizon. If we can get a far horizon, if we have a cityscape and it's skyscraper after skyscraper, it's very hard to get that far horizon. So in that case, then what we do is instead of looking as far as we can, we try and unfocus and bring in as wide as we can. So our eyes dilate and that relaxes. We feel the relaxation and the eyes relax and their little tiny muscles within our eyes actually start to get um, relaxing and then constricting. Even people who go through concussion therapy will be working on 
even a two minute set of working on close focus and then far focus and then close focus and then far focus. There is nothing wrong with us working on that, especially if we're in front of a computer for a long period of time. It's really uh, a great idea to focus on that just to exercise not only our eye health and our vision health, but also our brain health. So it's easy, something to add in. You could be relaxing or finishing a meditation and then add in a minute or two of focusing close and then focusing far. And not only are you helping your own vision because it's the little muscles of focusing in the eyes, you're also helping your brain as well. So I wasn't intending on going in that, but clearly that uh, these, I obsess about these things. So, uh, okay, another question, bring it on. What else you got for me? performance, training, um, mental acuity, sleep, nutrition. What do you got? I have another one that was uh, one from a client. And this person was looking to, um, they'd gained a little bit of weight over COVID. They had I was working on their program. So they were looking for something that they could do, but they didn't want to do it too long. And so I was up against this kind of conundrum of, okay, so if this person wants to lose some of the body fat that they gained, but then at the same time, they don't want their workouts to be as intense as they used to be, or as long as they used to be. Well, in that case, I have to be really frank and honest about the scenario and say, well, it's not the workout that's going to do it because if you're not going to add enough intensity in or enough duration in, then it has to be from something else, an additional walk and adjusting some of the intake of food or especially alcohol. Cause for this person, the alcohol consumption had gone up. So in that case, oftentimes people are looking for the exercise to be the magic bullet, but then if we know that someone's not going to do the exercise, if it's too hard or too long, and, and so we're trying to keep within the pattern parameters of enjoyable exercise and really feeling good about their exercise, then we have to look beyond that and see what else can be done. Like, like you've said as well, the enjoyable evening walk. We're killing, the walk you described is killing three birds with one stone and expanding an experience of quality of life. There's the walk for the physicality. There's the improvement of sleep. There's the social dynamic and just feel good and filling up that serotonin and that oxytocin for overall well-being. So that can be something that's added in for this person who wants to change body composition slightly without turning their workouts into something they, uh, they resent or don't like. Keeping it within the realm of something they really love doing, they're honoring their body, adding in the walk, maybe cutting out a couple of glasses of wine, and then it all comes together in a way that they feel like they're filling their cup instead of punishing themselves for gaining a little weight over COVID or whatever that looked like for them. So that was a specific client um, uh, conundrum or request that I was dealing with lately as well. Other questions for you? What else do we have? Anything come up? Gretchen's our runner, right? Gretchen, you're, you're our runner in the group. 
you always love to run. Are you okay with walking? Are you one of those runners that I'm not going to walk, I need to run? Or do you enjoy nice big walks as well? Uh, we just took the dogs out in the woods yesterday for a nice long walk. Yeah, um, I, I walked too. I'm trying to get back to running. With the smoke here, it's been really hard because that's really, um, I don't know if I've developed allergies or whatever, but it's it's been a struggle. I'm still doing my skips and a little bit of running, but yesterday it was a good walk. <laughs> yeah. And I think we're going to do that again too. But yeah, I, I love it. It's just so, anything outdoors is fine. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and then we're getting to a point where we're being asked to not go outdoors because right. of air right now. Yeah, air quality. Yeah, it, yeah up, up north. So um, Gretchen's in Minnesota and I've been in northwestern Ontario and the air quality in some points has gotten so bad that you it, it looks like a really dark cloudy day when it's actually not a cloudy day. It's that, it's that intense. There's the fires are so bad. Uh, in that case, what people are experiencing are the scratchy throat. They're experiencing a little more congestion in the nose. You know, even if it's not developing allergies overall, there's a, there's a, an inflammatory response as the body is yeah. filtering through the nose and in the throat and in the lungs filtering the particles that are coming from all that smoke and the eyes, eyes. all the smoke that's in the air. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's um, things like even, even a saline solution through the nose can sometimes help. Um, you know, if you've got salt, warm salt water in a, in a pot and you ingest some of that in, sometimes that can help just not only support the tissues, but also support the throat as well. I almost lost my voice from a period that was really, really smoky because it was just my throat was what was responding. I'll feel a little more phlegmy. I'll be careful not to do a very intense run on a day that's exceptionally smoky and just kind of decide when and how I'm gonna do a run that way. So those are some, some scenarios where we've got this outdoor environment that's so good for us and then we are in a scenario where it's actually, there's some air quality issues. And so I, the way I use to judge is when I get up in the morning and I'm outdoors and I see what my horizon looks like, what the, what the smoke looks like, check the air quality, and then I'll decide, am I gonna run or am I not gonna run in that? It, it's, if it's my day to run, I might switch the days of what I'm working out in order to not be exposed to the, um, in order to not be exposed to that. And, and yes, you're going to, you're going to find that. So uh, Gretchen mentioned an essential oil, ones that are supportive to your respiratory system too, combinations of lemon, lavender, peppermint and essential oil. Um, on guard supports the immune system really well, but can also open airways a little bit. So those can be great choices for, uh, supporting our airways in ways that can help, uh, help us breathe better, especially if you feel like your nose is really stuffed that way. Um, any other ones on that? Other questions, comments? 
So there's um, there's one thing that's come up that another, there were a couple questions on the, along the same line, and I'm not gonna go too far into this just on our last little bit, but this has to do with the pelvis. And I had an athlete recently who um, is a very, in a very intense sport, football. And they had a, um, an osteitis pubis. And what that means is that there's this, this is the, pu this is the pelvis, this is the pubic bone, and what they were dealing with, and this can happen to other athletes as well, but when there's a lot of intensity in the sport and the adductors, which are the, the groin muscles and the muscles that pull the legs together and the hip flexors, if they're all getting really tight, but the abdominal wall in front is getting a little weaker, then sometimes there'll be too much pulling on that pelvis in certain ways. And the symphysis pubis right here can get very, very inflamed or painful. Now that's what was happening with a football player. But in the same vein, there's another person that I knew was, who's having a, uh, almost like a hernia, um, uh, rectus diastasis, this little, little bloop, this little separation in their, in their uh, linea alba, this line in their abdominal wall. So people will experience all sorts of things like this, even if they're healthy. Now, some people will have this little hernia up in their abdominal wall or have an inflammatory spot in their symphysis pubis, this whole trunk and core area, and be able to let it have a little rest and let it heal and not have any functional differences down the road, not even really need any sort of intervention medically. Others will need to have a hernia repair and need to have, um, uh, have rest recovery and have that uh, changed in order to be able to function normally for down the road. The issue is that it's also different from person to person that unless you see a physician who's familiar with it or you see a couple other diagnostic appointments, you're not going to go and you're not going to know because one little change, one little hernia, one little um, exposure in the, in the connective tissue of the abdominal wall is so much different than the next that someone's going to need to get that all followed up on diagnostics, ultrasounds, uh, another, uh, another professional to take a look at. If one thinks surgery, I would suggest to see another one who's seen a lot of hernias before they go into the surgical route. So there are some things along, along that line that, that I would suggest that when you have a GP who sees that and refers on to surgery or wants to do surgery on that, I would suggest seeing another diagnostic and approaching a few things first to see if it can repair naturally before having to do surgery. There are plenty of hernias that just need surgery right off the hop but lots of them don't. So that's important to, uh, important to know. Um, anything last before we hop off? Did we lose Gretchen? I think so. We're getting thunderstorms here. Are you? Um, I was talking to a, a lady in Stein, they call it Steinbach. I call it Steinbach, Manitoba, right? Down. And she said they're, they're experiencing the, the, um, the air quality, even where they are. Yes. And that's because they're, they're so close to where we are. So um, they're so close to that Northwestern Ontario. If they just go a little further North, 
they've that's where all the forest fires are that's why they're experiencing it plus the the way the wind blows through the prairie right. area as well and further north is where all those fires are even in manitoba too really something isn't it hundreds hundreds of forest fires yeah so very sad it, yeah it, and the forest fires, just from an overall health and human perspective, if we look at us as humans, we're in a situation where they're in Greece, they're in Turkey, last year was Australia, they're in BC, they're all over the US, California, um, Canada, you name it. This is a massive, massive shift in where, what our climate, what our world is able to do. So it's, it's, key that people pay attention because it's going to be really hard to be healthy when our world isn't healthy. Our mm -hmm. own health, our own ability to thrive as organisms, as creatures is dependent on our environment, period, just like any other organism. So if, if our world environment isn't healthy, it's going to be very challenging for us to be healthy as individuals. So yeah, those forest fires will definitely feel it uh, when it comes to the breathing. So, okay, on that note, we're gonna wrap up. Have a beautiful rest of your day, everyone. Enjoy performance. Have a great rest of your week as well, Tracy. Yeah, you too. You Bye. too, Bye-bye. If you enjoy listening to the Empowered Team podcast, you'll love being on the Empowered Team. The Empowered Team runs year round. It is our group coaching and accountability program where we take mindset and physical performance concepts and break them down to usable action steps that optimize results. To learn more about our empowered leadership coaching for business, our custom online physical training plans, and of course, the empowered team group coaching, head to www.theempowered.ca slash empowered dash learn dash more that's www.theempowered.ca slash empowered dash learn dash more